This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. of God today, would you just fist bump somebody close by and tell them how good they look? Can you imagine what the theme of today is? Any, any guesses the theme of today? The theme of today, shout it out. We're in the Advent season right now, and our Christmas at Oasis City uh, is love, joy, and peace. And so today I have the privilege of bringing the word of God to you regarding love. Uh, next Sunday, our Christmas services, Saturday and Sunday, are going to be about joy. It is going to be a rocking Christmas service. You owe it to yourself to be here. Uh, as a matter of fact, you could pass out these cards. You will receive them on your way out the door. Make sure that you give them out to friends and family and neighbors and people that you meet in the grocery store, inviting them to the church. And then Christmas Eve is on peace. And I'm excited to be able to uh, celebrate Christmas Eve with you and talk about the peace that Jesus brings. But but love is the today's theme. And I would like to to look first of all at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Against such things there is no law. There's nothing uh, that can resist this fruit of the Spirit. And what's the first one that's mentioned? Love. Love Love encompasses all of these. As a matter of fact, you really can't operate in other items of the fruit of the Spirit without operating in love. After all, God is love. The Scripture tells us God is love. And the fruit of that love, the fruit of God in our life, first and foremost, is love. We love him, but he first loved us. Nobody comes to the Lord unless he's drawing you to him. And he wills that all mankind are saved. That's what the scripture says. And so is, is, is all mankind saved? No. People need to be acquainted with, to come back to God. And they do that by recognizing his love. And in his love, he woos people to himself. In the Advent, we're working towards the most important aspect of Christmas, which, of course, is God's love for us shown through Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. you got to love Matthew. 
he, he gives the, 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 the Christmas story like nobody else does. He just comes straight out. The birth of Jesus, if you're wondering, it took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her from the Holy Spirit, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The Christmas story is all about love. There would be no Christmas without love. Today, I want to just talk about four aspects of love that we find in this Christmas story. And even though it comes around every year, even though you see the Christmas cards and you hear the songs and the music and, the, and all the services, it is a reminder of, of exactly how God feels about his kids Love doesn't ever get boring. And if it is boring to you to hear about, to receive, or to learn about, because we could always do a better job loving. You may be perfect at loving others, but do you really love yourself? And after all, if you really can't love yourself properly, you really can't love others in fullness. Jesus said, you love our neighbor as ourself. If you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor to its fullness. But there are four aspects of love. I want to touch on them today in this Christmas story and what the, the scriptures that we just read. The first one is Joseph's love for Mary. Joseph, we don't know a lot about him, and, but what we do know about him is he was a man of integrity and a man who chose love among, above everything else. All the options that he had in the difficult situation he was in, he chose love. Uh, Joseph loved Mary, and you might say, well, of course he loved her. They were engaged. They weren't married yet. There's another level of commitment in that love that comes with, with the ring, so to speak. But in that day, just because you were engaged didn't mean you loved that person. It wasn't the Western culture that we live in. As a matter of fact, a lot of marriages were prearranged marriages. Sometimes you got married not even pre for a prearranged situation that your parents have decided, your family lines have decided. Sometimes you get married for economic reasons. So just because they were engaged, did not don't, don't assume that they loved one another. We don't know how long they knew one another. We don't know, we don't know what this relationship was like. But, but what had happened... What had happened was <laughs> Joseph had an opportunity to function in severe disappointment, in anger and frustration. For after all, all we know is that Joseph showed his love to Mary, but he had other options. And in his in his love for Mary, he chose to divorce her quietly. 
Now, in other words, the word divorce here, you know, they weren't married, but in that day, breaking off an engagement, it's, it's the same word. You break off an engagement, other translations will say broke off the engagement, but that word divorce is here. So they were about to be married. He finds out she's pregnant and he does not want to put her through shame. Now he could have been very vindictive. He had a choice. He could have put her through the tribunal. She could have been stoned for for having an affair outside of this betrothment. And so what he decides is, I love you enough, but I can't, I'm not the baby's daddy. You have betrayed me, and therefore we are going to divorce. I'm going to break off the engagement, but I'm going to do it tactfully, and I'm going to do it so I don't put you into shame. I'm going to do it quietly. So he decides in his heart, even though I love this woman and she's, she's committed, you know, the, the most disappointing action that I could think of just before we got married. I don't even know how this happened. But because she did that, I'm going to just respect her and love her. But we've got to break this off. But an angel comes. Thank God for angels. And the angel came in a dream. Thank God for dreams. Dreams are a language. You see it all throughout the scripture. Dreams are ways, one of the ways that God communicates with humans is through the language of dreams. And dreams can be very confusing because not every dream is from the Lord. But in this case, uh, Joseph gets very specific information. The same story that Mary told him lined up because he's like, hmm. She said, I wasn't with any other man. He's like, hmm. Hmm. I'm not a scientist, but this doesn't happen. The angel appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which she conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then he gives him instruction on what this son was going to do. She's going to bear a son. Joseph, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. One of the things that Joseph had, his love for Mary, but it was also, he had love for Jesus. And, and the, what, I, what I appreciate so much about our Heavenly Father is Joseph got to name Jesus. Mary didn't name him. Joseph did. The angel came to Mary and said, he's God with us. He's Emmanuel. But I love the fact that Joseph had a part to play in this Jesus coming to the earth. It wasn't just all about Mary. Matthew chapter 1 shows us exactly what Joseph did in his love. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus before they came together. Before they came together. I think there's some decisions that you make when you're about to step into covenant. Before they came together, before they knew one another as a husband and a wife, before they had a covenant, they, they came to a conclusion and, and you, have to, you have to know what you're doing when you get into relationship with certain people. 
you have to already come to a conclusion that I'm about to be in covenant. So covenant basically means that I've already decided that we're going to work it out. Let me, let me challenge you with that again. Covenant means that we've already decided that we're going to work this out. We know trials and tribulations are going to come. We know there's going to be difficulty. We know there's opportunity to break covenant, but that's why it's different than a contract. Contracts can be broken. Contracts can be broken with penalty and you have to pay a large sum of money, but at least I'm out of the contract. But covenant means I've already made the decision that we're going to work it out together. And I believe that's what Joseph did in his love for Mary even before he got the most disappointing news as they were about to know one another. He had made a covenant with her in his heart and his mind, but then, but then the information came and he wanted to break it. I love you, but I'm going to do this quietly. And he needed help from the Lord. And I think it's a beautiful thing that he was able to hear God's voice through his disappointment. Are you listening for God's voice in the most difficult time of your life? Are you able to hear God even though you are facing the most difficult disappointment, the heartbreak, the agony, the pain? Can you still hear God? Because let me tell you, church, he's still speaking through it all. In your most, most frustration, in your most disappointment, in the largest a difficult situation of your life and you're like, man, nobody knows how I'm feeling. God knows how you feel. And even if you can't hear him while you're awake, he'll speak to you at night. First Corinthians chapter 13 says this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Joseph chose the way of love. He, he allowed love to lift him up. He allowed love to, uh, to enable him to bear this burden, to endure the process. And even though he decided to love her through it all, he knew that she would still get persecuted through the whole thing. He knew that they, they together as, as an engaged couple and she's pregnant, this is not going to look good. What will people think? But love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Joseph showed his love for Mary by enduring the circumstance. The second aspect of love we see in the Christmas story in, in Matthew is Mary's love for Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. You can see Mary's love for her child in this circumstance. She did everything she could as a young mother to care for Jesus, this newborn. She didn't know exactly how this was all going to pan out. She knew she was carrying God's son. She knew she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
She had heard prophecies before, and, and my goodness, I'm the one. I'm the one that is honored among all the women. I'm the one who all these prophecies about Jesus coming through a virgin birth, the Messiah coming, and this is me. And, and, and that could make for a really awkward relationship. And we're not at the Hilton, and we're not at the palace, and we're at an inn, and then it's not really like an inn like we think it is. And she makes way for this child, this Christmas Eve, right before the birth of Christ. There's always, of course, natural love between a mother and the child that she bears. She carries this child, gives birth to the child, goes through... All the pain of childbirth feels every, even before that, feels every turn, every kick. Sacrifices her own body, the way she looks, the way she feels about herself, what she can eat, what she can't during the whole process. There's so much sacrifice that a mother has for a child that she hasn't even met yet. Now we have technology that you can, you know, kind of see. They have like, you know, three-dimensional uh, ultrasounds now and all these sorts of things. But, but Mary didn't have access to anything like that. Mary didn't have access to a stethoscope and hearing the heartbeat at a certain, uh, a certain amount of weeks. I mean, this is old school birthing. No epidurals. We call it natural birth. This is, this is natural birth. It's got hay as a bed. Natural birth. The shepherds visited Joseph and Mary when she went into town, and they began to spread the word about Jesus. Look, just a few more verses, 18. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. See, Mary didn't want to lose one moment of a memory of this experience with her son. And while everybody else is shouting and, and the shepherds are out telling the story, they're testifying about Jesus. Angels are there. I mean, this, all this stuff's happening. And everyone in the community is like, what? There's the Christ has been born. Who is this? And, and everybody's coming and, and they're glorifying Jesus and they're marveling at it. Mary wasn't up in all the hoopla. There was a time for that for her. But the Bible says specifically that she, even though everything else was going on, and it was a celebration of what had just occurred, she treasured up all these things in her heart. She pondered them. She didn't want to miss a moment with Jesus. In her love for her son, she knew that she had days with him. She didn't know how long, how much time together they would have. But at these moments, she wanted to hear everything that was said about Jesus. She wanted to hear what the angels said. She wanted to enjoy these moments. She treasured all of these things in her heart. It reflects her love, her thoughts about her very son. Her love for Jesus is also revealed by the words that Simeon spoke over Jesus and Mary in the temple. Simeon was a, a, a really cool guy in the scripture. We don't know a lot about him, but we know that he was so committed to the Lord that the Lord that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the, the few people that we know about in the Old Covenant that they 
you know, use this description, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was told by God that he would see, he would live and see this Emmanuel, this God with us. And so he, he knows Jesus is coming as custom to be dedicated. And Simeon's like the first guy there. As a matter of fact, after he sees Jesus, he's like, Lord, you can take me home. And it's not like the Fred Sanford kind of way. I mean, it was like, he, he was like, you can take me home, Jesus, right now. I have been fulfilled. Everything you've promised to me, I've seen. And, and, but, but, but Simeon, has, he gives a um, not so encouraging prophetic word in, this, in the greatest moment of his life. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he begins to, he, the, the spirit of prophecy comes upon him and he sees, he sees the baby, he sees Mary and Joseph, and he begins to prophesy. And take a look at verse uh, 33, Luke 2, 33, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So all this stuff is said about Jesus and Mary and Joseph are like, yeah, you know, he is the Christ child after all. And, uh. And Mary's, you know, could be like, you know, I, I have given birth to this Christ child. And Joseph's like stepdad, now new dad. I mean, we, we, we're still working out what Joseph is in this whole relationship. But we're just, we realize Joseph's the daddy here. This is my boy. He's, after all, the greatest human, God man, actually, to ever live. All this great stuff said about Jesus. And then verse 34 comes into play. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary... His mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon gives this word that Jesus is going to go through a lot of pain. His life is going to be elevated. Then it's going to be torn down. He's going to reveal what's in the hearts of men and women. And Mary, because of your love for your son, when he's a grown man, that love of a mother is still as strong as when he's a baby. And a sword is going to pierce your soul as well. And as we know, Mary was with Jesus every step of the way. She became a follower of his. As a matter of fact, there was even an awkward moment when Jesus is around the age of 12 where he has to tell his mother uh, and his father that he's about his heavenly father's business first. I think that's a tough word for a mama to hear in that adolescent stage. Mommy, you're not first in my life. Yikes. But that wasn't exactly what pierced her soul. What pierced her soul was the moment that she's watching him be scourged and following him to Golgotha, seeing him pay the price for you and for me, for all mankind, for all of eternity, to completely annihilate and destroy the powers of darkness and the entity of sin. She doesn't understand all of it. What she sees is her baby boy at 33 years old being crucified and she never left the cross even when he said it is finished even when they were proving that he was dead by piercing his side and blood and water flowed out of it and they took him down off the cross she was there to care for him to to help wrap his body to care for her son she kissed him on the forehead 
She was there at the tomb. This is a love of a mother. And we can see the great love that Mary had for her son in this Christmas story. The third one is God's love for sinners. We see God's love for, for sinners through the birth of Jesus Christ. After all, we were all sinners. It's not just pointing a finger at a group of people. It's everyone birthed into sin. And we see through the birth of Jesus, through the Christmas story, God's love for sinners. Matthew chapter 1, just a couple of verses later in verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the promise. The angel spoke to Joseph. Joseph, you're going to marry, or you're going to get the name Jesus. You're going to call his name. But he has a purpose. He's going to save all of mankind from their sin. God's love is shown for sinners in Christmas. You've probably heard and memorized John 3.16. Most people don't know John 3.17. But the really 3.16 can't be fulfilled unless we understand 3.17. Let me just show it to you really quickly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 completes the thought. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. The church condemns sinners. God's not condemning the world. The church is the one that condemns the world. We have to repent of that as we have to allow the love of the Lord to operate through our lives. Of course, we stand for righteousness. Of course, we stand for justice. We, we stand for holiness, but we do not condemn the world. We love the world enough that we show them that Jesus died so that the world may be saved through him. The greatest Christmas gift ever is Christ himself. I like an author, he wrote this. Look at Jesus, God who was born into the world as a baby. Look at Jesus, the God-man, teaching the people, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Look at Jesus, the Savior, suffering and dying on the cross to bring you back to God. Look at Jesus, the King, risen from the dead, ascended to heaven, destroying the powers of darkness, defeating death, hell, and the grave for all of us. Look at Jesus, the one who is coming back again. I don't know the guy, but I took a few of his sentences and I added to it. I hope he's okay with that. But, but God's love is shown through Jesus. And finally, the fourth aspect of love shown in the Christmas story is our love for one another. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him in this love not that we have loved God, but that he had loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love what? One another. Because of Jesus, we are compelled to love one another. And the love that we show for one another is 
is a love that will forever be told as long as we're here until Christ comes again that the Christmas story is also about the love that we have for our brothers and sisters. God's love comes first, but our love needs to follow. Is there somebody you need to help this Christmas? How are you showing love to others in this season? Are you reminding them that there's a God who loves them? Are your actions of love reminding them that that the celebration isn't about just giving gifts to one another? It's about knowing who the gift is. That Jesus, the Christ, is the gift for all of us. And so the way we love one another is, is magnifying Jesus. The way you treat your brother and sister is showing them about how, how much you feel that Jesus cares for them.